All right, that works. So hello, everyone. My name is Charles Carboneau. I'm chief engineer at Damotech. Damotech is a rack safety company. We provide uh, inspection, load capacity, and also repair and protection services just for racks. We are interested only in racks. So I'm a structural engineer with experience with uh, steel, concrete, wood buildings, bridges, telecom towers as well. And I got involved with the uh, rack side because they are structures. They are highly optimized structures as well. And, uh, and this is a presentation on best practices on implementing a rack safety program. And I did not invent this. It actually comes from people from, uh, like yourselves, people in the warehouse industry that tried to make it a better, safer working place. And so now that you know a little bit about me, by show of hands, who is in safety, rack safety or warehouse safety? Uh, who is warehouse management, let's say. So that covers just about everybody in the, in the, who is here because they had nowhere else to go? Nobody, everybody, okay, we're good. All right. So that's already done. Why is it important? Of course. Uh, that's one of the worst situations. You get a collapse like this. This one is a local collapse. Uh, probably due to a damage at the back leg. So it's just an implosion on itself, right? Nobody got hurt. You can see it's uh, six beam levels, three pallets wide, rather heavy stuff that they put on there, but not a very tall rack, right? So no big effect to anything else. So why do we care? You know, right? Racks are highly efficient in optimized structures, and all components must be working. So you have damaged braces, missing anchors, missing safety pins, missing stuff, damaged. It affects the capacity of the, um, the racks, and they can't perform to their capacity. All right, and so the codes say, the improper selection, installation, use, or maintenance of racking can put workers at risk. And that's your responsibility as safety managers or warehouse manager to make sure that your employees are in a safe working place. In this example here, a slight dent. Maybe you saw this in the news. Can cause a major collapse. Now, as you see this, think you're sitting in your office as a manager and you hear the rumbling now the ground is shaking, it's not stopping, you think it's an earthquake, it's your warehouse, right? You hear shouting now, because we're looking for people, right? And think about counting your employees to try and figure who's missing. I know it's dramatic, but it's true. Nobody in that working environment ever thought this could happen. And it's always the same story. Nobody thought of it could happen. Racks are there, they're holding up the load, everything's fine, it's been like that for years, right? And it just took one small mistake to bring it down. So, what does the law say? Responsibilities of pallet rack owners, Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970 requires that employers offer a workplace that is free from known hazards. And today, <laughs> you just learned, 
probably you knew, that it is a hazard. A rack that is not well maintained, that is damaged, is a hazard. And so hazards are defined as those likely to cause serious physical harm or even worse, death. All right, so we have design codes. They say how to do it, how to maintain, how to design it properly. And that code is the uh, MH16. It's an approved American national standard. It used to be called the RMI, if you've ever heard that wording, RMI for Rack Manufacturers Institute. It's more than 30 years old. It's the reference in North America. And we design according to that, right? It says how much load you put on there, how you factor them to make sure nothing uh, collapses. You factor in seismic loads, notional loads, everything is in there. That's what we respect. And this is referred to by the International Building Code. That's the building code in the US that is used. It says, follow that if you have racks in your warehouse or even outdoors, it doesn't matter. A rack is a rack. To make it really simple, you're not gonna learn a whole lot in this slide, but that's it. Simple as that. I call it ARPA. Assess, report, prioritize, and act. ARPA, right? It's a circle, and if you're safety managers, one of the best ways to get people into it is to create habits, just the habit of going through it. And so there's no other way today. There's no robots that can find damage. You have to use eyes, people eyes looking for damage. You can prevent it in all sorts of different ways, but basically you gotta walk the aisles and just do it. And so you assess, you report. The reporting portion is rather important because we see employees having difficulties taking on the responsibility of what they saw. As soon as they saw it, they're sort of responsible to report, right? Bring it to a higher level so that the managers can act, right? Usually the employee on the floor can only do that, report it. Another difficult part is to prioritize. How bad is this thing? We train people, we offer these services where we go in warehouses and we train people to recognize damage. And the hardest part that they have is to figure out how bad it is. So usually we say, when you are in doubt, just unload the whole thing. But usually you can say if it's unload, high, moderate, or low priority. And we help them get through this. We'll see some examples later on. And the last one is take action. You need to repair, replace, do something about it. Right? So the first thing, assess through inspections, regular inspections, and we'll see uh, how much you need to do. Report, prioritize, take action, and circle back. Always the same. Who can do it? How frequent? What to look for? Uh, classification, that's prioritization, and uh, documentation, and when you will want an expert to come in. All right, so we'll look at those. Who can inspect a person with a professional background that knows a lot about racking? Usually they're well-placed to recognize the hazards, and only a professional engineer can determine load capacity. That's law in every state all over, right? Only a professional engineer can say, this can hold a 2,500 pounds pallet, all right? 
how frequent, we recommend a yearly inspection by a third party. Of course, we provide that service. I'm not just trying to sell it to you. I'm just saying a, a different pair of eyes on your warehouse is worth a lot because they see a whole lot of warehouses, right? And they can compare yours to anybody else. And so they rate it uniformly throughout. These people are trained. They're all engineers. Those that we send, they're all engineers and they see it uniformly. Monthly inspection is what usually governments will say you should do. They can't force you. It depends. Depends also on the um, velocity of your pallets, how many times you access these rows and these pallet locations. If it's every day, well, maybe a quick walk in that aisle might help. Um, ongoing is that type where you would do it every day. And you have to keep your documentations. Everything that you keep for your insurer, for example, you have your audits, your um, inspections, you have your drawings signed by an engineer. Everything is clean. There you go. All right, so we'll go through uh, different uh, situations here. Examples of when to inspect after an event, if you had a small collapse like the first picture that we saw there, of course, it's time to review what's been going on. Um, Incomplete documentation. If you don't have stamped drawings by an engineer of your load capacity or you can't find them, you should because OSHA can come in and ask for them, right? And of course, if you don't know the load capacity of your racks, can you load them up? Would it collapse? Uh, you pre-purchased uh, racks. You, you're using used racks, basically. So who signed off on those? Do they have the correct capacity? Are they well installed? Uh, you changed a tenant of a warehouse. You became a new tenant of a warehouse. What's the capacity of these racks? Um, you want to optimize operation. You want to change beam elevations. Whoops. Changing beam elevation changes load capacity of racks. So you need to have someone. And that someone, I told you, needs to be an engineer or your original equipment manufacturer who is loaded with engineers. And then performance benchmarkings. You want to know, well, that location, we had an issue two months ago, and it just came back. You know, what's going on there? Maybe there's another problem that we didn't look into. All right, what to look for? Here's a slew of things to look for when we look at racks. Usually it's rather simple, you know, a damaged component. Even a five-year-old could say, well, this is damaged, I know, right? But these are the little things, and you look at them thousands of times, right, as you walk along. So damaged or missing upright components, a missing diagonal brace is really important to find. And it's one of the hardest things to find because it's not there. You're just walking and everything looks fine, looks good, but there was something missing out of plumb, rusted components, loose or damaged anchors, damaged beams, of course, missing safety pins. We see that a lot, and it's a hazard. Damaged pallet positioning, you know, double stacking at the very top there. Uh, not enough sprinkler clearance, which is another type of issue. Wire mesh nets or safety bars not adequately put Load capacity not displayed, that would be an issue. You know, we don't see 
your load capacity, your operators can't know if they're overloading the rack, you have to display it. That's in the code. That's it. Disparity between LARCs. So that's the first time we see the word LARCs. This is load application and rack configuration drawings. So it's a drawing where you see your rack and you see the load that you can put on it. And this is stamped by an engineer. That's the document you're looking for and that tells you how much you can put on the rack. And if you don't have that documentation, you should get it. Okay. Classification of damage. So oftentimes, we hear that if the rack hasn't collapsed yet, it doesn't mean the damage is not important or that it won't happen, exactly like the video that we saw. You know, it could happen, and no engineer can tell you it's going to happen. It's like an earthquake. You know, we can't predict them. Um, sometimes you have small damages here and there. We don't exactly know the loss of capacity that you had. And in order to know that, we would have to take that upright out, put it under a press, destroy it. And then we could say, well, you were OK, basically. You know? But there's no other way. All right. In order to classify damage, we try to make it rather simple. Different levels, one, two, three different degree, low, medium, high, different severity, minor, watch, or severe, and you could have color codes. So we try to make it really simple. So if you take the, the green one there, it's a level one, a low priority issue. It's a little bit more than a scratch. A scratch on the paint, we don't even report that, right? But it's a dent on a beam, right? How bad a dent does it need to be for you to say we changed the beam? Well, it's gotta be pretty dented. If the beam is not straight anymore, of course, we change it. If it's just a local dent, it depends how deep. Because did you affect the capacity of the beam? Yes. By how much? Again, it's really hard to say. But we know that if it's just a small dent of, I don't know, an eighth of an inch deep, like the forks just hit the beam, it's not going to do much. You have much worse damages to address first, so you prioritize them like this. A yellow would be a medium, and a red would be severe. We have a black one we'll see later on. We call unload. All right. In terms of load capacity, we mentioned you have to have these LARCs. That's from the code that's referred to by the building code. And the building code is from the law. And OSHA is saying respect all these things. Labels or plaques must reflect up-to-date LARCs. So we can see here it's a label. It's saying 5,000 pounds per pair of beam, right? That's one way to do it. Uh, at the bottom right, you don't see this, but it says the gaps between the beams. So when you look at the label, you can measure the beams and say, yeah, that fits. It's the correct label for that location. Because if you take that beam out and put it somewhere else, well, that label <laughs> is not holding the load, right? It's just saying what's the capacity. It's got to be visible to forklift operators. So I've seen warehouses where it's really uniform, 2,200 pounds per pallet all over. They just have one plaque at the entry of the warehouse and on the exit. And they train the, the operators to know that. Simple. There's no strict rule saying it's got to be at the end of each row. It's got to be on each beam. Nope. There's no rule like that. It's just saying display it so that they know. Third-party experts. To update your LARCs, I mentioned that, the load capacity has got to be done by an engineer and stamped. Uh, generate plaques or labels, yeah. 
Um, the loads plaque or labels don't hold the load. It's just a display, but it's got to refer to a clear document that says so. Independence and uniformity in reports. I mentioned that earlier, the fact that when you have a third party come in, they've seen other warehouses, they inspect yours like they do any other warehouse, and they can tell you the truth. It's not going to be tinted by the fact that employees perhaps might want their warehouse to look better than they really are. Just saying. Uh, and we recommend that once a year. Uh, of course, when we do these things, we go back once a year and we realize, wow, the, there was an increase in damages or there's a typical decrease in damage. And then we can say, well, I think you're good for two years. You will come back in two years for the inspection. When do you need an expert to establish severity of damage? Sometimes the inspector, if it's a local employee, he's walking the facility, he's looking at something, I'm not sure. So usually we train, uh, we train them to say, well, just bring it one level higher. You think it's a low, but you're not sure if it's a moderate, just bring it a little bit higher and we'll address it. Um, so an expert will guide you in doing that. If you wish to make modifications to rack, like beam changes, you need to have an engineer involved or the original rack manufacturer. You can't find the original larks, of course. You need to max the max load capacity for your racking calculated, of course. Sometimes you buy racks, it was stamped. We see that so often. The beams are stamped with 2,000 pounds per pallet, right? So they take the beam and you put it somewhere else and they stack them up like crazy, right? The beam is not necessarily what's holding the load. The upright is. And so just thinking that because it's written 2,000 on a beam, you can put that anywhere else, that, that doesn't work. You need to take into account the upright. Um, you modify the racks. Uh, so you, you need a, a specialist, an expert. A rack owner needs to validate the installation of a new rack system, of course. And you need a full conformity inspection. So a conformity inspection, we go in and we look uh, with the code in mind. So the code says you need to have wire mesh wherever people walk under the rack, right? The tunnels and everything. So we'll note all these things for you. And so we call that a base, uh, basic uh, assessment, a baseline assessment, sorry, of the um, racking system. And we can stamp also for the load capacity. Two, in terms of reporting, um, report all accidents and issues and how. Of course, you have to have a log where you keep everything. We, we propose to use a binder and just put everything in there, even the larks. Just maintain it one place. Encourage employees to report damage. That's a big one, how to do this, right? They might be punished, right? So how do you go about it? There's different ways. Uh, an example of a method here is to have magnets on the lifts. So uh, a little magnet, red dot, for example. They see something, they just put it on the upright. So when you walk the aisles, you see these red dots. You don't know who put it there, but it's there. So at least it attracts your eyes. It simplifies the job. We're not punishing anyone. We just want to know, right? When you find it, then you log it, right? 
into your inspection sheet detail and you try to fix it. Um, you need to, to monitor multiple warehouses. So on our side, we've developed a web platform. And all of your little dots that you have all over these warehouses, we include them on a web platform. So a manager can be sitting at his desk, her desk, and see all these locations where they have issues, their priority, and the, um, uh, the order in which you should fix them. Right? So it's another tool. What to record and keep? So the LARCs we mentioned already, regular inspection reports, employee training records. If you train them to walk the facility and inspect, keep these things. Repairs and modifications, that's really important. Whatever you modify a rack, just keep the documentation that it's been well done you know, by specialists uh, into that big binder. And of course, any stamped engineering drawings that are added to the life of the warehouse. So how to record, uh, to record? You can have a checklist of what you need to look at. So we mentioned uh, uprights, safety pins, anchors, all these things uh, that you can have. Take pictures with them, date the reports, and you can use, of course, an app. And you know where I'm going, we have one, <laughs> of course. You're, you're seeing um, what it is right here. This is a facility that has lots of damages. So these red dots are high priority issues. When you see a number in there, that's because they have at least, like for example, four issues in a dot. It might be that you have two low priority, one moderate, and one high priority. It'll come up as red because you've got a high priority there. You've got the pictures. This is all done through the um, uh, iPad. Then we need to prioritize. So there's no good damage ever. But there's scratches. There's legs hanging up in the air. There's beams almost detached, all of, uh, all, almost uh, coming down on you. So of course, we try to prioritize. Um, uh, we have this color system from high to low. And we're going to see through uh, examples of unload high, moderate, and low um, later on. When the way we prioritize them, we just have these four categories. The unload category, of course, immediately unload, record, and address it as soon as possible. High priority, record, repair, and replace as soon as possible. Um, sometimes for the high priorities, you will just remove some of the load. It depends. And of course, that's when you want an expert some, to, to get in and to give you some advice on how much to unload. Then moderate priority, you replace as soon as practical. And low priority, you just record, monitor, and watch. Because we know these entities are living, and you're probably going to get some more of high priority issues that come into play. And so your low priorities are there. You recorded them, but you might not address them until like way down the line. All right, so nobody has any doubts that this is an unload situation. So somebody backed into it, like hit the wrong pedal big time, all right? 
The one on the right is a little bit more tricky because it looks like repeated damage on the beam right here. And they finally broke one of the teeth and the other one is almost gone. And you see there's still a pallet there. So usually when we inspect, we stop our inspection and we say, whoa, you unload this right now. Um, and so it becomes, when, they, when you unload, usually you put yellow tape, don't use that slot anymore. And so it becomes a high priority after that. Uh, high priority here, an example, this is a situation in a seismic zone. You see that big footplate, four anchors in sheared column right there in the front. So as I told you, as an engineer, I'm, I'm looking at this saying, well, I know there's some capacity loss. I don't know how much. I know it's holding the load right now, but if there was an earthquake, I don't think it'll do. So therefore, we got to act. And so we say it's not an unload, right? But I'll put it as a high priority. This one is funny. This is a structural rack. And this is a two seat channels welded together, which uh, creates a tube. And the way to inspect those is to kick them. You just kick the rack. And when it goes boing, that's because it's broken. So in this case, you don't see anything because the weld is done from underneath and the weld was broken in this case. Really, really hard to see. Moderate priority, you see a damaged uh, diagonal brace. You know, not too much, but something in there. Repeated damage at the base of the columns, we see that very often. You know, they hit it once and a little bit more and a little bit more. So we put it as a moderate because we can see it. This is going to continue. At one point, it's going to be high, and at one point, it's going to be unload. So you better act, protect it, do something about it. A low priority. The picture on the left was from a rack eight foot high uh, in a maintenance gated area where there's no lift trucks, right? But all of the rest of the warehouse is well anchored. Everything is fine. So as an inspector, we just said, well, you don't have to anchor it. It's in the code because you're not manipulating pallets with the lift trucks, right? So you don't have to anchor it, but everything else is well done. If OSHA comes in and it's anchored, they won't say a thing. Just anchor it. But it's a low priority, of course. The one on the right, right here. Slight dent to a diagonal brace. In a seismic zone, it's, ah, it, it would be bad. In this case, uh, that's a low priority for us. Can that brace still act? Yes. If there was a huge earthquake, uh, it's going to be penalized. But in this case, it's a low priority. You have to bear in mind that on a specific location, you have three minor issues. Well, they can accumulate. And we don't know how they interact. But it might get to something like a high priority. Right? There's a lot of redundancy in RAG systems. And we've seen legs completely in the air, and all the systems is like is holding on like this. It hasn't fallen, but you can see it's leaning and it wants to go, right? It's really scary, but it hasn't. And the leg is really in the air. It's not even touching the ground. So there is some redundancy, and we have safety factors, but don't mess with them. <laughs> There's a limit, right? And these racks are never designed for such impacts at the bottom of the legs. They're designed for impacts where you drop the pallet, you push a little bit 
the rack sideways, front to back. That's it. We don't design them for impact. All right, the last part of the ARPA uh, circle is to repair, take action. And we mentioned with engineered solution. You know, these things are engineered racks. They have to be repaired or replaced with engineered solution. When we say replace like for like, that's a second choice. You want to replace the upright fully? Make sure it's the same because uprights are made with different panel heights, different braces, different shapes, different hole patterns. There's hundreds of variations in there. The, even the thickness of the column is not necessarily the same as the one that you had in the rack. And in your warehouse, if you have tunnels, oftentimes the uh, uprights on either side of the tunnel are different than the rest of the uh, system because they hold up these three pallets, four pallets wide, right? So they're taking a lot more load than the typical uprights. So when you replace an upright, you got to make sure it's the same. And that's where we say, maybe have someone that really knows this stuff get into it. Or if you have clear larks, you can order that part from the original manufacturer. Um, so you re replace like for like, you protect. Once you found out an issue, it might be a good idea to protect. And you validate. Validate is the ongoing process of saying, okay, so we fixed this two months ago, we're repairing again or replacing again. Can we please address this situation? Take action. So as an alternative to rack replacement, rack repair kits not only fix the damage, but offer permanent protection against future impacts. So that's what Damotech does. A rack, um, we're, we've been doing rack repairs. We invented the process basically 30 years ago. Um, but these kits that we have, they not only repair, but they protect. And they're a lifetime warranty against impact. Impact. They're really, really strong. Reassess, so that's the circle you're coming back. So you have to include somewhere in there a, uh, a culture of safety uh, within the employees. Um, you have to start viewing the rack as an asset. You spent money on this rack. You're breaking it, damaging it over and over and over. And there's no end to this if you don't take any actions to stop that type of abuse of your assets, basically. So employee training is always good, making them feel responsible. But there's also how they're paid. If they're paid by the number of pallets they move in a day, and you put pressure on them, of course. The rack is their least of their um, problems, right? They want to get these pallets out as soon as possible. So it's an equilibrium that we have to find there. Um, yeah, so pallet velocity paid to pick and measure the trends and the key performance indexes, indicators, let's say, of, uh, of what you've been doing in terms of replacing over and over and over again. So remember, damage reduces load capacity, report all issues, protect rack uprights in high traffic areas would be the thing to do. Find a trusted partner to work with as we have engineering expertise, we can help you out. And circle back. You just make this a habit within the warehouse, and that's how you get that thing rolling, where everybody keeps safe. Of course, when in doubt, unload and seek advice from a rack design professional. And 
That's, that's how you get to be able to sleep under your racks safe and sound. Are there any questions? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So my friends in the back are showing. We have this poster. So it's a poster of things to look for when inspecting racks. Very simple one. You can put it in the uh, dining room, uh, in the office, and so people can see. We explain also the one, two, three rule where we say uh, one eighth of an inch deformation of a frontal impact. You know, beyond that one eighth is when you start that gray zone. Below that, don't worry too much. Two eighths for a um, side impact and three eighths for a diagonal or horizontal brace. So there you go. You can take, they're going to be in the back. We also have a little um, pocket size version of the same information so you can give to your employees. You can download these things also on our website. Thank you very much.